0: So here's a question. If you were God, would you pick you? Imagine the recess moment. There's a team that has to be picked. God is standing there trying to pick the strongest, the best, the fastest, the most hand-eye coordination. But in this case, it's who's going to serve my kingdom best? Would you pick you? Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. Wow. God is good. God is good. How many of you are loving this journey through the book of Romans? Anyone? How many of you would like it to end? start on something else already. I'm I'm loving it. It's so powerful. We are learning so much. We are growing so much as a church. We are busy with a series called One Gospel, One Church as we travel through the book of Romans. Those who are maybe joining us today or have missed a few, I want to encourage you to please go and watch the videos or listen to the podcast so you can catch up You can follow along today as well on the YouVersion Bible app on the events if you want to do that. Put some of the notes and the scriptures there for you. Um, But let us pray as we start with the Word of God. Lord Jesus, I'm humbled to be in your presence. I'm humbled to stand here today to get to share your Word. Lord, you know how many moments... I've had where I think, no, someone else should be doing this. Um, but Lord, with so many people in your word, we see that you see something that we don't always see, and I thank you that you have called me, that you've called each and everyone that's here to come and do something for your kingdom in this area at this time. We accept the call. We want to, we want to honor you in what we do and how we live. I thank you, Father, that you will speak to us through your word today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you lead me and guide me to only speak the truth from your word, and that everything that is praiseworthy and good and in line with your will will fall on good soil today in the hearts of people and take root and become a revelation that they can live with going forward. That is my heart's desire in this moment, Lord Jesus. I thank you that nothing will distract us. I thank you that nothing will take away from receiving this word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We have gone through 10 chapters of the book of Romans. We've had many uh, sessions on this. Briefly, just going to go through them. We talked about the one standard, which is God's righteousness, the one way, which is by faith the one gift, which is Jesus himself, one baptism, one spirit. We spoke about one glory, how the glory that is set before us um, as children of God. We spoke about the one destiny that we have, the one love that God has for us that nothing can separate us from. We spoke about the one seed as we entered into the segment where we are now, chapter 9, 10, 11, about Israel the one seed, and, and how God is the sovereign one who chooses, chooses his people. And last week we spoke about one salvation. In between, I forgot to mention this last week, in between we had Brother Javi, who came and gave an amazing message on hope. I just want to thank him as well for that and um, praise God for that amazing message. How many of you were encouraged by the message on hope? It was good, eh? It was really powerful. All right, so today we get to chapter 11 and the message title for today is One Election, One Election, with uh, elections looming in America and locally. It's, uh, it's actually an interesting word to be speaking about right now. Um, so I want to ask you as we, as we start today, do any one of you remember playing games during recess, during break at school, where teams had to be picked? And then somehow there's, there's always these kind of natural leaders that just kind of rise to the occasion and say, I'll pick a team and I'll pick a team. And then the, all the other kids are standing there. And what are they doing? Hoping to be picked, right? How many of you were the kids that were picked first? That was nice, you know, being picked first, right? Or second or third. How many of you were the ones who were picked last? <laughs> Do you like that? No. No one likes to be picked last, all right? Um, some of you might still get nightmares about these moments. Um, <laughs> how many of you voted in our country's last election? Anyone voted? All right, good. Did the, the party that you voted for, did they choose people to do the job, and did they deliver on their promises, Anyone? So the question would be, which is a side note, would you vote for them again? But what happened there was people went out in their masses and they elected leaders. All right. So in the first scenario, you are waiting to be elected by a leader. In the second scenario, you are electing With others, your leaders. Following? All right. So here's a question. If you were God, I know it's hard to imagine, but just try for a second. If you were God, would you pick you to be part of his kingdom? If you were God, would you pick you? Imagine the recess moment. There's a team that has to be picked. God is standing there trying to pick the strongest, the best, the fastest, the most hand-eye coordination. But in this case, it's who's going to serve my kingdom best. Would you pick you? Let's do a test. How many of you think you will pick yourself? Anyone? Ooh, there's not a lot of confidence in the house. Okay, so if it's false humility, that, just lay that down. Would you pick you? Would you pick you? Okay? I mean, a few more hands, all right? What an interesting question. And why would you not say yes? To the extent that you think you're not worthy, you're not capable, you're not good enough, you still have sin in your life fill the gap? Here's another question. Let's say God and Satan were holding a political election. Who would you vote for? The one campaign slogan would be, die to self, (laughs) suffer in this life, and spend eternity with me. The other slogan would be You are God. Do what you want. Enjoy yourself. Don't worry about eternity. It doesn't exist. Which campaign slogan would you vote for? Die. Suffer. Or do what you want? There is an eternal election going on all the time. People are choosing, choosing all the time. God has already chosen. He has made his election, and his elect are his beloved. God has already picked you, for his team. But you only become a true member of his team when you accept the election and you elect him to be Lord of your life as well. This election only works if both sides agree on the election. Can you see that? In the USA, when a new president has been elected, they refer to him as president-elect for a certain time. There's a period from the moment that he wins the election till he is sworn in as president. In that period, he is not president. He doesn't have the power of the president. He doesn't have the authority. He can do nothing that has consequence in the role of presidency. Only once he has been sworn in, he becomes a full-fledged president. Similarly, it can be that God has elected you or me and your title is only son of God elect, daughter of God elect. You've got this little irritating hyphen after your name. It's daughter of God, elect. But it's not official. So God has said, I want her as my daughter. I want him as my son. But on top of everything he's given us, he's given us a will. And you have a choice. The president-elect has to make a public declaration and swear a binding oath before becoming president. In the kingdom of God, we each need to recognize, accept, and receive the election of the Almighty. This loving high honor. And we have to reciprocate, By electing God as Father, Jesus as Lord, and Holy Spirit as Counselor and permanent resident in my life. If you don't believe me, I'd like to confirm it with you in this first scripture that we have on the screen, Ephesians 1. I'm going to read verse 3 to 6 and verse 13 to 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose or elected us in Him before the foundation of the world. You see, God has already chosen, even before He created the world. Why? That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to His good pleasure, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise and the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. Now, dropping down to verse 13. In Him, now He's speaking to the church. He's just told them what God has done. God chose this. He has done this. And now he says, in, you, in Him you also trusted after having heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of, your, of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his holy glory. All right. Sorry, to the praise of his glory. What are we seeing here? God has chosen before the foundation of the earth. The reason for his choice, the reason for his elect is that they would be holy and blameless before him. That's what it says. And then it says, you trusted, when did you trust? After you heard the word what did we read last week in chapter 10 how will they hear if no one is sent and how will someone be sent if they aren't equipped sorry how will someone preach if they aren't sent we saw that whole process I told you it's a reverse engineering when you look at someone who is saved you have to reverse engineer how did they get saved they heard the gospel they believed the gospel that someone preached because someone was sent this is what Paul is saying here as well. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, there was a choice made to believe. You were sealed once the belief kicks in of I am the elect of God. God has a plan for me to be holy. Now I trust. I believe. I take a step of faith and now it is sealed. It's official. I am no longer Son of God elect. I am Son of God. Can you see that? The power of choice. I'm not sure if many of you will know this. I'm kidding. You'll know this. There's a famous line from the first Spider-Man movie. With great power comes great responsibility you know that one it's not scripture but it does ring true now if choice is powerful and with great power comes great responsibility which i know is not scripture but there is consequences to each choice that we make and therefore the choices we make have impact have influence it has power So we need to take a good, hard look at what we decide, how we decide it, and why we decide it. So we have to make sure that we take it seriously, especially this very important choice, this very important election. It's the most important election that you can be a part of. Do you understand that? Once again, God has already made His election. He's not going to change his mind. He has made his decision. Will you make yours? And if you have, will you be as loyal and as unwavering as him? How many of you think you can be as loyal and unwavering as God in his word? Well done. You're very humble. I know. We can't, right? Because we're not God. But we do need to recognize that there's a level of seriousness that we need to put to this covenant choice that we make towards Him. The same way that you should take it very seriously if you've made covenant, a covenant with your spouse, that doesn't just stop because feelings change. Same here with God. We don't change our loyalty to God because we feel different or we have an issue with Him. We stay. We stay the course. Amen? Amen? All right, so with all of that in mind, let's jump into the segment we're busy with, which is Romans 9 to 11. Now, as I mentioned before, chapter 9, 10, 11 deal with the past, present, and future of Israel. Paul is speaking to a divided church in Rome, remember that, Jews and Gentiles in one Christian church, and now he's focusing in on the role of Israel Israel. In chapter 9, 10, and 11. Now remember, the Bible wasn't written in chapters and verses. But it helps us to just kind of put the things together. Chapter 9 looked at the past of Israel. Chapter 10 looked at their present at the time of Paul's writing. And today we're going to look at chapter 11, which has to do with the future of Israel. We will see in this chapter that God in His infinite wisdom did and does things in a way that may not seem fair or reasonable or even understandable to us sometimes. Anyone of you found that before? Like, God, I don't know what you're doing and why, but you know, I'm just going to go with you. (laughs) Maybe it has even led you to a different path. God, I don't understand. I'm out. Anyone done that before? No hands? I'm sure we've all had moments. God has an infinite plan for the Jews and the Gentiles. His ultimate beloved elect are part of one election, but they become a part of his elect in different ways. To help us understand what we're going to read in chapter 11, we're first going to read 2 Corinthians 3, all right? So today is a lack of Bible study day. Nice. Some of you are excited about the Word of God. I like it. All right, so let's read together 2 Corinthians 3 from verse 12. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. You might remember, and if you don't know, there was a moment where God revealed his back to Moses, and from that moment, Moses' face started to shine with the glory of God, that people couldn't look at him, it was too bright. Then it started to fade. and as it faded, Moses started to cover it up with a veil so that people couldn't see that it's fading. Why? Because people make assumptions. People talk behind your back, and they make up stories. and they like, well, he's not spending time with God anymore. look at him, it's fading. And then it leads to division, and it leads to disunity. And now he's talking about Moses. He's saying, but their mind, um, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, he's talking about the Jewish people, for until this day, the same veil, the same veil that's trying to hide the fading glory is, uh, remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. Amen? But even to this day when Moses is read, the first five books of the Bible, the the, the Torah, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen. But we all, we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We are being transformed into holiness. Ephesians 1. We have been called, we've been chosen, we've been elected before the world began. Why? That we would be holy. How do we become holy? We give our lives to the Holy One. And we let His Holy Spirit lead us. That's how we live a holy life. So that what comes out of here and what goes in here is honoring to Him. And not contributing to the freaking evil in the world. To bring us into Romans 11, we need the last two verses from chapter 10. Also because we didn't get to that last week. (laughs) We ran out of time. So I'm going to read the last two verses of Romans 10 and we're going to go straight into Romans 11. Are you ready, church? All right. Romans 10 verse 20. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. This is God speaking about the Gentiles connecting with him. But to Israel, he says, all day long, I've stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. God lovingly stretches out his hand. He has elected them, but they have not elected him back. They have, he has elected them, but they don't like what he has presented to them. So now they're looking for something else. They're looking to elect another God that they make up. And, and now we get into, in verse 1 of chapter 11, Paul is, he just said this, all day long, A God would lovingly stretch out his hands to a disobedient and contrary people. I say then, has God cast away his people? He's asking the question Has God now thrown away, is he done with Israel? Certainly not. For as for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. What did we read in chapter 9? We read it, the message was called one seed. Why? Because there Paul explained that not all physical descendants of Abraham are part of the seed, part of the promise. Only those that God elected to be part of the seed and the promise. The line of Isaac, the line of Jacob, not the line of Esau. He made it very clear. Are are you with me? So he's referring back to the seed of Abraham. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. This is also a term that we get earlier in Romans. He says, those whom he foreknew, he predestined. Those whom he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he chose. Do you remember that part? Some of you. Okay. So we start seeing this, this unity in Paul's letter. He's referring back to things he's already spoken about. Or do you not know? He's speaking to this church in Rome. Remember, who's reading the letter? Jews and Gentiles together. And he says, do you not know that the scripture says of Elijah how he pleads with God against Israel? Elijah was pleading against Israel to God. Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars and I alone am left and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal or Baal, or Baal, however you want to say it, Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant, everyone say remnant, a remnant according to the election of what? Grace. There's a remnant according to the election of grace. So in the same way, Paul is looking back on what happened with Elijah. Elijah felt alone. I'm the only one. No one else loves you. It's just me. Have you ever felt alone? Ever felt isolated? You live in a house with six people, bro. <laughs> okay, we'll go for counseling after this. Have you ever felt alone? My boy. Thanks. It's good for the ministry. Appreciate it. No oh more word. Jesus help me. I really mean that. <laughs> Elijah felt alone he felt like he's the only one standing up for God, the only one shocked and horrified that they were breaking down the altars and replacing God with fake false gods, Baal, who was the big God of the time. And Baal represents anything that you replace God with. And even when we read this on its own, this should be something that, that, that makes us go, how do I not make, let this happen in my life? How do I not start chasing balls? How do I not start making up stuff that I want to worship that's more important than God? And then he says, and if by grace, then it is no longer of works. What, are the, what does he keep saying to the Jews? You cannot reach the righteousness of God by keeping the law alone. You cannot do it. It is not how it works. So he says, if by grace, then it's no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. Why? Because grace is receiving what you don't deserve. But if it is, but if, uh, but if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks. Israel is seeking something. And part of that is they're seeking it in a way that is acceptable to them. God has exactly what they seek, but they don't recognize it because they don't want to recognize it. Lord, help me. Do this for me and do that for me, but do it in this specific way with these points falling exactly in line so that it pleases my flesh and everything that I want. Okay, God? God? And then he does something completely different, and we go, that's not what I wanted, or how I wanted it. What are you doing? You are making yourself God. You are worshiping Baal, or Baal, or Baal. You're laughing. There are different ways to pronounce that. Baal. That's how you start speaking when you worship idols. (laughs) Baal. Are you okay? I'm, f- I'm fine. <laughs> I'm just worshipping Baal. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. It's been a week, guys. It's been a week. All right. The point is, Don't bow to anything but God. Listen to this. If you don't, the consequences are hectic, guys. It says, what then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. In God's sovereignty, he gives grace to those whom he wants to give grace to, the elect. And they have obtained grace, but the rest he has blinded. Now, this is where it gets tough, because people go, well, I thought that people get, you know, free will. This doesn't seem like free will, because God is, is, is doing something to them. He only does that, and we've covered this as well about two sessions ago, God only hardens hearts and blinds eyes when they were already hardened and already blind. And he gives them then over to what they want. On that note, I had quite a fascinating revelation in the last week. You know how the Bible says that people will be cast into a lake of fire, into hell, and there will be a gnashing of teeth People think, and I used to think, that the gnashing of teeth was because I'm suffering from the burning. And then someone pointed out that every other time that the Bible refers to people gnashing their teeth, it's when they are gnashing their teeth in hatred and anger towards God. So people who end up in hell They end up there because they wanted to do what they wanted to do, and they did not want to please God. They are gnashing their teeth even now at God, and God just says, go and gnash it in hell. Nashville. I I needed to lighten the moment, I guess. So, when anyone invites you to Nashville, just make sure how they spell it. Is the G silent? Is it there? I'm not making light of this. This is, <laughs> sorry. This is a very serious matter. But just think of that for a moment because we think God takes delight in some way of throwing people in hell it's not the case hell was not created for people it was created for the devil and his servants God wants all of us to elect him back and end up with him in heaven and then rule over the new earth that's what he wants but we have to choose him back And if you are gnashing your teeth in rebellion towards God right now in this life, he will just let you gnash your teeth at him into eternity. Then it's by your choice, your election. Make sense? We're probably not going to get through all of this, but anyway, I'm going to try my best. So, Because it says, there's the elect of God and the rest were blinded. Just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block, a recompense to him. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their back always. He means this, let them be hunched over. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. Now this this gets interesting. So first of all, God has given the nation of Israel over to their own stupor, to blindness, to closed eyes. They don't hear the truth. They don't see the truth. He's hardened their hearts because their hearts were already hardened. If you don't believe me, go and read the Old Testament. He, He tells them in, I mean, I don't know how many times, I haven't counted it, but how many times God says to his people, I love you, worship me. Don't worship anything else and I will bless you. It's that simple. And then what do they do? They do not do that. Over and over and over and over and over again. And we read it and go, <laughs> Israel, pff, how could they not? How could they not? Yeah, it's very easy for you now. What if you were Adam in the garden? Would you eat the fruit? By the way, it's not an apple. We don't know what it was. Everyone's saying it's an apple. You don't know, it's a fruit. It are not an apple. But what would necessarily, what, what would you what would you have done? Now he says they are in this situation. They have fallen. Now he's asking, have they stumbled that they should fall? He says, certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall. Is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles? How much more their Israel fullness? For if I speak to you Gentiles, now he's shifting his focus to the Gentile people reading the the, the letter, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, that's my calling, says Paul, I magnify my ministry, I broaden my horizon. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. Can you see Paul's passion for the Jewish nation? God said, I'm calling you to the Gentiles. He's like... I'm, I'm, I'm called for the Gentiles, and I want to get you saved, but if I can magnify my ministry to just get some of these Jews, my brothers, yo, I would make my life. Can you see his passion? And can you see how God, the two things that you don't like, he hardened hearts, closed ears, closed eyes, and he's waiting for them to have a jealous reaction. We go, what? That can't be God. It's exactly what he's writing. You know why? Because you have a wrong idea of what jealousy is. Because you live in a broken, fallen world. Our God says over and over in his word, I'm a jealous God. I love you with a jealous heart, which means I don't want you to love anyone or anything else the way you love me. So what is he doing? He's using the Gentiles, us, to provoke, to cause a reaction out of his people, the Jewish nation, that they will see. What? Wait a minute. Why is God doing that for the Gentiles? I want some of that to make them jealous for God's things so that their hearts will go, whoa, whoa, what's happening? Those are the promises that he gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those are the promises that he gave to me as a Jewish person. Now, why are these these Gentiles walking around with these promises? What's up with that? That's what he's doing. Can you see that? Can you see how blessed we are? Because God didn't have to do that. I'm going to give you a moment so it sinks in. People have told me I shouldn't ask, do you get it? I should just give you time to process. How much time do you need? I just wanna, <laughs> I just wanna get an idea. I'm waiting for you to go, oh, wow. Thank you. All my all my extrovert brothers and sisters, I love you. All right. The rest I love you too. This is a different kind of love. Uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, that the extroverts will provoke you to jealousy <laughs> to also do the same. Thank <laughs> you, All right, now, Lian, <laughs> I can't wait for your mic. He'll take over this whole service. Now, if, they, if I say then, have they stumbled that they would fall? Certainly not. Oh, we've done that already. Okay, blah, blah, blah. For if they're being cast away, so if they're being cast away, the Jewish nation being cast away, if that means the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive tree, remember he's speaking to the Gentiles, if you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches, the Jewish branches that were cut off. Don't boast. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. He's talking to the Gentiles who might think, yeah, but they should go so that I can be there. Well said. In other words, that's true. Because of unbelief, they were broken off. So he's like, I hear your confident statement and you are correct, but be careful. Remember, they were broken off because of unbelief. They were seeking something, it didn't look the way they wanted it to be, so they didn't believe, so they couldn't receive, so they couldn't be part of the elect. All right? And you stand by faith. What is it to believe? It's to have faith. He says, they were cut off from by unbelief. You stand in your grafted position by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. Those who don't know what that means, it means do not get prideful. Do not get full of yourself as a Gentile towards the Jewish nation. Understand your, pl- understand your place in God's plan. This is one church that has a... a, a the process I always thought was quite an interesting name for a course. They put you through a course called Ondak Your Plaque. Find your place. We need to find our place as Gentiles in the kingdom of God. Because listen to this warning. For if God did not spare the natural branches, branches, he may not spare you either. Whoa, what? But I thought once saved. Always saved. But listen to this, he goes on, therefore consider the goodness, yes, thank you, the goodness of God, consider the goodness of God, oh, the sentence is not done, and severity of God. Consider the goodness and the severity of God. We need to consider two things, God's goodness and his, if you don't know where severity comes from, it comes from the word Severe. It's like when people feel like when they read a John Bevere book, it's John Severe, because he's like really getting up in my business. People were offended by reading The Bait of Satan because it's about offense. I got offended when I read this book. Well, then they should read the book again and do what it says. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell from belief, severity. But towards you, speaking to the Gentiles, goodness. And there's one of my favourite words: if. Very small two-letter word, but very important. If you continue, what does continue mean? It means I started something, and I keep going. Yo, you are very quiet. This is good stuff. This should change your life. When I continue something, I started it and now I. What's he saying? You are part of the goodness of God if you continue in his goodness. You. He says, you. If you continue in his goodness. Not if God wraps you up, puts you in a nice little cloth, and slips you with him in his goodness. No, if you continue. If you continue, God has chosen, God has given, God has made it possible. If you continue, this is so good. And the next part, you will love. Otherwise, you will be cut off. I'm giving you time. If you continue in His goodness, you stay there. Otherwise, in other words, if I do not continue in His goodness, there's a consequence. If, then. If you continue, then you stay in His goodness. If you don't continue in belief, in other words, if you fall into unbelief, you will be cut off. Like who? The Jews who did not believe who were part of the original olive tree. They are more special because they're part of the original tree. He's calling you as a Gentile a wild olive branch. Can you get the picture? All right. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in for God is able to graft them in again. So he's giving good news and severe news. Can you see that? For if you were cut off, cut, cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Listen, guys, the power of choice, to believe is a choice, to stop believing is a choice, and the consequences are literally eternal. To believe is a choice. To stop believing, to fall into unbelief is also a choice. And the choice has consequences. Can you see that? It's so important. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant to this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. woo That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Paul is saying, I don't want you to miss this. I, Paul, know a mystery. I don't want you to not know the mystery, so I'm revealing the mystery to you so that it is no longer a mystery. (laughs) Have you ever had people who say, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to tell someone else's secret, but. This is what Paul is doing. He's like, I know something. You need to know it too. And everything he's been saying up until now is part of that. The mooie Afrikaanse word is verborgenheid. That's a verborgenheid, what they will oebrich for to For if I do not desire that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. One of the biggest problems we have in the church today and in our church is that people value their own opinion more than the Word of God. Your opinion means nothing if it doesn't line up with the Word of God. It is just your opinion. We need to bow the knee to God, not to ball. What is ball in our current situation? It can be mammon, money. It can be what you think should be and how things should work and whatever it might be. But if it's not in line with the word of God, it's just an opinion. Be careful how many YouTube videos you watch and what rabbit hole it takes you down. It, It can distract you from what God wants to do with you. There's a reason why we are a church planted here for a specific time and reason now. And, and it's not about what everyone's opinion is. It's about what God wants, and we need to get behind it. Amen? But otherwise, this happens. We become blind, and we miss what God is busy with. Lest you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Now, there's a whole teaching about what does the fullness of the Gentiles mean. And I'm not going to get into that. Because then we get into end times. We get into talking about, is there a rapture? If there is a rapture, is it pre-, mid-, or post-tribulation? And there are many opinions about that. So I'm not going to get into that. But what I do find very important to note here is that there's a time that God will know that the elect that are Gentiles, the number of that is full. And it's an important moment in the, in the history of God's church. So I'm going to settle it there. There's a number of people who need to hear the gospel and respond to the gospel for this line to happen until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. All right? And so all Israel will be saved. There's something that needs to happen with the Gentiles in order for the promise and the plan for Israel to kick in. Now the timing of that exact moment, that has controversy. Not everyone agrees on exactly when that is. And so Israel will be saved, that is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Who is the deliverer? Sorry, I can't hear you. Is the deliverer who came from Zion and will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant. How do you know when God makes a covenant, he keeps it? Concerning the gospel, listen to this, this is important. Concerning the gospel, they, the Jews, are enemies for your sake. Concerning the gospel, the good news, the Jews are enemies for the Gentiles' sake. The Jews don't like the gospel, don't want to accept the gospel, don't want to recognize that that same deliverer that was promised that they can read about in all of the Old Testament, they don't recognize that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is that deliverer. They don't recognize it. So the gospel to them is not good news, it's irritating news. Some of the fundamental... Um, um, Jewish people, they attack Christians because they try to share the gospel with them. They are enemies for your sake. What does he mean? He means what he said earlier, that there's a time while the Gentiles' number is filled. In that time, he has made it so that the Gentiles can receive the good news and be, and be and and have the opportunity to choose to be part of the elect and that when that is and while that is taking place the israel people's hearts will be hardened their eyes will be closed so that the gentiles can be saved but the story is not done but concerning the election they are beloved for the sake of the fathers you remember i said in the beginning there is one election but there are different ways that the Gentiles and the Jews come to be part of that elect. Gentiles through the gospel, a remnant of Jews through the gospel, but ultimately the whole of Israel will be saved because they are part of the beloved for the sake of the fathers, Abram, Isaac, Jacob. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, saying again to the Gentiles, remember how you were a wild olive tree, olive branch attached to a wild olive tree? You know, you were in the world. You were broken. You were gone. You were heading to hell. That was you. You were once disobedient to God, yet now have obtained mercy through their disobedience. (laughs) You are saved from your disobedience because of the disobedience of Israel. What? Have you ever read this chapter and asked these questions? Through their disobedience, even so, these also have now been disobedient. That through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy, for God has committed to them, committed them all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. And you go, that doesn't seem fair. Are you God? Would you pick you if you were God? I told you in the beginning, this passage will challenge the way you think, see God, and expect things from God. But Paul is very clear. God is sovereign. God decides. So what this actually is a question of for each and every one of us, it's not about whether God is fair is whether you really see him as God there are certain things that you won't understand there are certain things that you won't agree with but then that part of you has to die and you have to go Lord show me the mystery that I don't understand open up my heart to what you want does that make sense because there are things that you will not understand with this brain How many of you know your brain was created by God? So do you think it's possible that his brain is better than yours? So why do you think you know more? Why do you think you know better? Why? Pride. I'll tell it to you. Pride. It's pride. You think you know better than God. Do you know that the word complain is part of a list of sins like murder, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, complaining? Do you know? Do you know that? Because complaining is you saying, I know better than God. It's rebellion. God hates complainers. What happened in the desert with Israel? They were murmuring. God hates murmuring. People amongst each other going, no, Moses doesn't really know what he's doing. What are we doing in this desert? It was better back with the, with the flespotten van Egypte. It was nicer. Why don't we go back there? He killed a whole generation for murmuring. Because when you complain about the man of God, you complain about God. When you complain about what God has put in place, you are, you are contesting God's will. Who are you? Do you think you know better than God? God? We all need to take a moment and check our pride and make sure, where is this coming from? How much of this is opinion and how much of this is in line with his will? At the same time, God is not like that bad guy in the movie that said to someone, shut up, if I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. He's also not that. He is a gentle father, but he's a king. He is both. And we need to approach him in holy fear and follow his will and his way. Amen? This is what Paul is telling us. Now listen to this last bit, which is so beautiful, where Paul just praises God. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgment and His ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has become His counselor? Or who has first given to Him and it shall be repaid to Him? For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. That is our God May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.